So I think in, in kind of everyday language, um, we com commonly have this idea that everything new is kind of technology and everything we have is normal and natural, True. which is in a way strange. But all of all the tools that we use as humans, you could define it a toilet in a way is a technology. technology. Absolutely, yeah. I dag har jag den ära av att ha selveste Lauri Reuter i studio. Och i likhet med episode 5 så blev också denna episoden spilt in i London hösten 2019 på mitt hotellrum på en konferens om framtidens matteknologi. Lauri och jag blev rast via en väldigt hygglig introduktion av selveste Isabel Ringnes och Lauri är er en usedvanlig sympatisk fyr med en CV som imponerar de aller flesta. Han är er bioteknolog, han är er forsker och han är er föreläsare på det framtidsrättade universitetet Singularity. Han är er också investor i nya matsällskaper med fokus på Norden. I dagens episode så snackar vi om varför han menar att vi må ändra matsystemet i världen, både från ett teknologiskt ståsted men också från ett business och därav ett ekonomiskt ståsted. Vilka typer matsällskaper kan vi egentligen förvänta oss framöver? Vad kan vi i Norden laga i framtiden som både ger oss mat men också arbetsplatser? Vi snakker om att kur och broccoli också är er teknologi och varför det haster att vi får på plats några nya matteknologier i framtiden. Lauri är er finsk så som du skönt i intron så måste nästan denna samtalen bli på engelsk. Jag kunde ju inte la samtalen och möjligheten att snacka med en av världens främsta forskare på detta fältet, selv om denna podden i utgångspunkten är er laget till normen. Så jag hoppar att du liker den och husk att följa med på Hanne Lenes vegetar på Instagram för digg matinspiration och faktabaserat klimakunskap. God lytt. Okay, so uh, we're here in London and I met you for the first time uh, yesterday. Now it feels like forever ago. It feels like forever ago. Yeah. It's been long two days. Yes, it has. But it's been interesting. Uh, but we're going to focus on uh, more of what you do outside of uh, being at conferences, of course, uh, because you work as a VC. Uh, what is that? Uh, you're into food. You know a lot about food tech. You're at Singularity University. So you have a very, very interesting background. And we're going to try not to geek it out too much uh but we'll see where we go so first of all like where do you live what do you do in your own words and who is lauri so i um i, I live in helsinki i'm based there I'm, I'm born and raised in finland um i would consider myself still a, a recovering scientist so that whole vc thing uh venture capital is still a new new area for me to work in. Okay. So you're I, a scientist by, am, by, by default. I have I am a scientist by heart and nature mm-hmm. and by education. So I, I do have a PhD in, in biotechnology. Mm-hmm. So I used to work with all kinds of cells and, and bioreactors and that sort of things. Also in relation to food. Um, but then I, I worked for a while in research and innovation strategy. So in a way how to use the brains of researchers to uh, make the world a better place in a bit more effective way. So how to not just study what the world is like, but more use that scientific expertise to find real solutions to real problems. Fantastic. So what is the real problems that you're trying to solve? Well, food is really close to my heart in, in many ways. Um, and the whole food system on the planet right now needs to be reshaped again um, to fit the fit the needs of, of growing human population and also the needs of the planet. I mean, until now in the history, we could have uh, developed new technologies to feed ourselves better. But now we really need to consider also the planet because it's it's uh, 
it's a quite a limited uh, uh, ball of resources that we have here that we're living on. Yeah, it's so a true. it's a spaceship in so many ways. Yes, so true. So um, so you're now a, a VC, as you mentioned, a venture capitalist. Uh, what does that exactly mean, and what does it got to do with food? Um, so, as a venture capitalist, I'm I'm. <laughs> It's a silly word in so many ways. <laughs> uh, I'm an investor. Yep. So if there's if and when there is absolutely amazing uh, uh, technologies being developed at, for example, universities or research institutions or just somebody in their garage, um, something that would become an absolutely brilliant company. So making a product, making some technology, making something that will be useful in the world. But you're saying technology and we're talking food. I uh, don't get that. Yes. So technologies that have something to do with food. So um, in a way, um, what would I say as an, uh, new, new tools for making food? That would be technology. And at some point, these, these ideas need money because well, you need to build things before you can start selling things. So um, that's when that's when I would step in and 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 help to find that money, um, invest that money in the companies, but also help them uh, to build a company and find the right uh, customers and everything that ha has to do with with building a company and building a business. Okay. And we have a so we are a small team of four. I'm I'm the geek in the team. But then we have we have the other guys who really know how to build companies and build the build everything around uh, that it needs. What kind of company would this be? Would it be like Oatly? Is that a yes? Oatly Oatly is, is is a fantastic example of a, a food company or a food tech company. So they found out a way how to make really good oat milk and and also sell that really well. Okay, because I think that's what a lot of people are uh, not thinking about when we say technology. Yeah. Well, that's also like the machines that they have developed, exactly. and the, the method they have processed. And if you think of, of, of greenhouses in the Nordics, they're packed with technology yeah. that will help us to grow, you know, fresh vegetables in the middle of the winter in, in Norway and in Finland, which is crazy in a way. Um, but there's also so many new technologies coming to food that that might sound really freaky and alien still now but let's say in in couple of couple of decades there might be a completely normal way of making making food yeah so looking into that so uh, first of all what do you look for in a startup and then we'll touch a bit more on what is actually happening in the in the space but if if i'm a startup like what do i show you that makes you interested uh, interested in me well fundamentally there needs to be a a new solution to a problem Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. so um, something that solves a critical problem. I mean, let's say for example, like we've seen here, here a couple of examples of of companies that are trying to make cheese without animals. Mm -hmm. I mean, cheese is a is a big burden to the environment, and it's why uh, is that? Exactly. It uses a lot of milk. So to, roughly to make a kilo of cheese, you need ten liters of milk, and to make ten liters of milk, you need to feed the cow with a lot of food. It's it's kind of uh, not very resource efficient food, um, and dairy is, is a bit problematic for the environment. Um, but still, we all love cheese, and you know, even though you would give up beef, give up some meats, it's really hard to give up cheese. And now, if if these guys can figure out the technology to make cheese without animals, like mm. real cheese that you know melts and tastes like cheese, it's a massive solution. Yeah. 
And, and that's something that would be really interesting to have in the future. But aren't that like, you're saying technology again, and I'm thinking, well, isn't that just recipes? Sometimes it's recipes. Sometimes yeah. it's just finding the right way to mix certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's finding a completely new way to make certain thing- things. For example, there is there are already a few companies that use biotechnologies. They use microorganisms um, to make some of the components of foods. For example, um, few uh, milk proteins are very crucial for making cheese. Okay. So now, if you can use a microorganism, so basically, uh, you know, yeast instead of a cow for making that, that would be. biotechnology and using technology as an alternative for that cow which in a way you could say cow is also technology it's it's a it's a very man-made thing that we use for our food production that is so interesting because why why do you why do you say that why do you say that a cow is kind of a technology well if you think of if you go really way back in time, like like ten thousand years, when we're starting, you know, the agricultural revolution, we started to use just after the ice age. And yeah, everything, yeah, yeah. Well, in northern Europe, we started agriculture way later, like yeah. three, four thousand years yeah. ago. But you know, in the warmer parts of the planet, we um, started agriculture already roughly ten thousand years ago. We started to use plants as tools for food production. So until that, we just were kind of finding plants and berries and nuts from the nature. Yeah, but and just that, picking and Just whatever. picking whatever we found. Yeah. But at that time, we started to use them as tools. So we started planting them on purpose on, on certain places, that, like fields, and using them as tools. So I think that was, you could consider that as first steps of food technology. Definitely. Um, because you, you figured out how to take a tomato seed or exactly. whatever and then making more yes. tomatoes of that. Yeah. And that is also using kind of technology. Yeah. yeah. So in a way, those tools developed really slowly in the beginning. Yeah. It took thousands of years to start breeding the new plants that we use as food. So it was a slow moving thing. So it's hard to you know draw the line where that turned into technology. Yeah. Um, but at some point now it's really clear that if you if you take a you know modern cabbage uh, it grows on a field uh, there is no cabbages in the nature so it's yeah. a completely man-made thing that's, yeah that's so true you and, can never and, go and find a broccoli and no, hiking. You, no never no. <laughs> and you also don't just run into a field because they're also totally man-made things yeah. so in a way cabbage is biotechnology it's food technology yeah. it's just developed so gradually that we don't always remember that it's actually food tech. Right. And then, of course, uh, when we were on the subject of cows, uh, at least the cows that are uh, milked, uh, they are going into these milk machines and they have the feeding yes. is technology. Uh, yes. And, uh, the, 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 um, uh, the feed that they are getting yeah. is like very... Is carefully selected and you have so everything is kind of technology so when yeah. we're now moving into a, a space where we are growing meat and without the cow uh, and we're very afraid because we shouldn't have technology in food that's actually contradicting what we already yeah eating. so I think in, in kind of everyday language um, we com- commonly have this idea that everything new is kind of technology and everything we have is normal and natural True. which is in a way strange but all of all the tools that we use as humans you could define it 
A toilet in a way, is a technology. technology. Absolutely, yeah. Definitely. And if you think if you think of like beavers making dams, you know, constructing that from twigs, is that technology? I'd say yes, in a way. It's a, it's beaver technology. They are building their homes in that way. Yeah, because we're thinking we're thinking of technology as something that is like made of steel or yeah. made of glass, and it has some sort of screen on it, you know. But it doesn't doesn't necessarily. Yeah. No, well, I, I come from you know biotechnology um, research, and and biotechnology is is uh, you know use of living things to achieve something. So using a living thing as a tool. So in that like vaccines, uh, sure, in, yeah. in a way, yes, but also also cabbage. You know, cabbage is is a living thing that we use to turn sunlight and minerals into edible plants. That's so true. So. Um, that's not very technological in you know steel yeah. and, and LED wine. light sensor and wine because you're making grapes and then you're making oh, wine yeah. right I'm and just it, uh, saying in, in that's in that process is actually interesting yeah. because you take uh, you take grape juice yeah. and then you use yeasts Which as a tool alive. Yeah. Exactly, a living thing to turn the sugars into alcohol, yeah. which is also a biotechnological process. Yeah. And nowadays we can just those technologies yeah. are developing very fast, so we can use the same yeast. Um, but instead of making alcohol, it can make milk proteins. So when people are out in the pub and drinking and are really uh, over ecstatic about some alcohol, <laughs> uh, let's just say call them drunk, uh, then they have actually been using a lot of food technology. Absolutely, yes. But they don't think about it because it's normal. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, um, yeah, we have this kind of... Uh, sometimes twisted thinking about technology. We tend to think that everything that is, is in the world already now is, is absolutely normal and natural. Yeah. And everything that is not there yet is somehow scary and weird. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's changing all the time because yeah. time moves or we move in time forward all the time. So the things that are uh, strange tomorrow, then you know, day after tomorrow, they will be normal. So, uh, coming from from your perspective and seeing going forward, I guess you get this book question a lot. But what do you what do you think we can buy in the stores in in Norway, Finland, Scandinavia, all all the places that we live uh, in like ten years that we will find very strange today? Wow. Uh, so, if you think of if you think, let's think first of the past. If you yeah. think of buying avocados in the supermarkets in Norway mm. ten years ago, that was strange. Mm. Uh, 20 years ago, you know, shrimps would have been probably a bit weird. Uh, and now we have it. Now we have actually fresh lettuce, fresh salads in the middle of the winter. And that's strange. It yeah. should We should consider that strange, but it's, Bananas it's, it's amazing. Bananas also, right. Exactly. Even though that's longer back, yeah. it's also a very exotic food yeah. that we now take for given that you have bananas at home. Yeah. Right. And now, very recently, we have all these new... Um, alternative meats or these uh, very meat-like products made of plants mm -hmm. that you it would be hard to tell the difference if you don't know what you're eating. So I think that's one of the very recent interesting new new well technologies yeah. that are available in the uh, in the future. So what what is already on the market in in US is for example eggs so scrambled eggs that is very 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 egg-like but is made of actually beans so but, that but we, doesn't it taste like beans then uh, like, no because mm -hmm. with the new tools 
they the, the company making it, they can make it very, very egg-like. So it's just new processing technology for that. Um, so I, I'm just looking forward to that to you know come to the European market hopefully soon enough. Yeah, because I actually know that you you love scrambled eggs. I love scrambled eggs. Yes, <laughs> you told me this yesterday, and I'm like, oh, I do too. I haven't had it for like five years, but I do love it. And you know what's really good in scrambled eggs? Oh. Cheese. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so cheese, I hope, will be the next kind of thing that now it's now it's still um, you know the the vegan cheese that you find in the supermarket is still quite bad yeah um, but I hope that in, in a few years we will have great cheese that won't be made of any made of any animal you know based products so those are the things that the consumers will probably see mm-hmm. um, but then I think there's a lot of other things happening around food as well uh, for example you know will we go to supermarkets anymore in 10 years I mean, the whole concept of a supermarket is not very old. I mean, our parents probably did not go to supermarkets when they were kids. No, right. So they had like small yes. neighborhood stores of some sort, and then a farmer maybe that you got exactly. your meat from. And- so 20 years from now, I don't think anybody's really going to supermarkets anymore in the way we are going to them now. So the whole digitalization of how we buy food and how we decide what to eat is actually very interesting technology so that will change that our lives. So are you thinking that get delivered home what we need or that we buy it from an online store and get it or that it's just... Well, I think if you think of, if you think of uh, music, um, we used to go, I mean, still we used to go to, you know, a store and, you know, flip through those CDs that were alphabetically, you know, in there, which was... Now that we think of it, a really strange way of buying music. <laughs> so strange. Uh, so the first change was that you started ordering the CDs online and they were delivered to you at home. So that was the first thing. Uh, so then you could just type in in search field, you know, what you're looking for, which was what, much easier. Uh, but now we're having Spotify. So it turned from products into a service. So now if you would think we in the food we are in that first stage so you can order foods to your home through a digital shop yeah we have one in Norway or actually yeah. we have two but you know yeah. it's developing slow but it's it's actually accelerating a lot so I think you know in a few years it will be quite normal to just buy your everyday groceries online but what's going to be even more interesting is that you can build all these new things on it so hopefully in not that distant future from now there would be a service that would kind of know what you need next and just automatically deliver that to you. Okay, so you wouldn't how- need to worry about, you know, what to eat tomorrow and what to buy next because it would be just delivered to you as a service. And that that opens so many interesting new opportunities. But then I know that people will ask, but how will they know what I need? Will we have cameras everywhere? Will like Big Brother sit in and watch my fridge? Or well, how you do know, you think? The Big Brother is already there. Newsflash <laughs> <laughs> people. The big, the big yeah. amounts of data that yeah. we're generating already now makes it actually quite easy to figure out what you will need next. So the bigger companies are doing that already with, you know, online stores. They know pretty well what you're going to order. What's interesting is, is not really what you want, but what you need. So when we start to get more data about our personal needs for nutrition, and, and then customize your diet more to you without you necessarily worrying about, you know, what should, what would be good for me? What should I be eating? So that's a completely new new uh, set of technology that will will be there in the future. It's not really there yet, 
But if you consider how fast things have developed in the past, uh, it will develop even faster in the future. Yeah. I mean, right now I can go and do a very simple and quick, you know, blood test and, and figure out if, whether I'm getting enough vitamin D. But that was that was alien technology still a couple of decades ago, True. and now it's now it's a normal thing. So a couple of decades ago, it would have been strange that you're wearing a watch that actually measures your heart rate and tells you how well you slept. And that's a very good thing. And now everybody's wearing yeah, it already. Yeah, and you're wearing actually a ring. Yeah, I mean it's getting smaller. It doesn't need to be a you know a watch around your wrist yeah. anymore. Now I'm wearing a ring that carries the same technology. Okay, so tell tell us about the ring. Uh, we have to stop on that. Ah, okay. Yeah. So it's it's basically what your your Fitbit would do. Yeah. So it's in, a normal so ring. It's like it's, a it's like a little. It's a, ring. just a big, little bit bigger ring. What's the, what's the brand? It's Aura. It's a, it's a Finnish startup. They're brilliant. Okay. So they just pack the technology in very small and beautiful shape, mm -hmm. and it measures your your heartbeat, and and all kinds of changes in it. So it can pretty much tell me how active I have been, of course, but also how well I slept, whether I'm stressed, whether I'm actually recovered from my you know previous exercise, or yeah. whether I'm stressing about so something. So it's a Fitbit in a ring. In a way, yes. Kind of. And yeah. What's the difference? Um, design. Design. Really, really neat design. Definitely. <laughs> yes. How do you charge it? Uh, it has kind of a charge you can put it yeah. on and I think how long do you, it. How long does it last? Like a week. Oh, yeah. fantastic. Oh, it's so great. It's great. I, before I send this podcast uh, out in the world, <laughs> I'm going to have one of those. Be sure. Och så sant så gjort. För här sitter jag faktiskt med min helt nya Aura-ring eller Aura-ring O-U-R-A skrives det som jag nå har på för tredje dagen. Och den tracker hur jag sover, hur många skritt jag tar, aktivitetsnivå i löp av dagen och allt annat som en pulsklocka vanligt gör. Men den synes ju lite mindre. Den är ju bara en liten ring. Och detta är ganska kul för en som är upptatt av teknologi och statistik som mig. Så hashtag inte sponsat dessvärre. Men du kan checka den ut på internetet. It's not just this. We're wearing, we're gathering more and more data about ourselves all the time, and the sensors are getting sensors are getting smaller and smaller, and and quite soon there will be enough data to figure out what you actually need. Yeah. And now, if you think of that in combination of the whole online grocery store idea, then all of a sudden it starts to feel silly that you would walk into a this you know, Big. building yeah. with a lot of shelves in there and a lot of physical products on the shelves. Mm -hmm. And then all the information you have of the product should be like printed on the packaging. I mean, it starts to feel really, very silly thought. Yeah. So that's going to change too. Yeah. So instead, like, take, let's take an example from Norway. We have a, a big um, player called Colonial, which is the one that is uh, like changing the market in home delivery of groceries. Yeah. So uh, in 20 years, at least, uh, maybe I have the ring. Uh, maybe I have something uh, invisible, probably yeah. that's more inserted under my skin or something. Yeah, sure, that would be actually easy. Just yeah. stick it under your skin, you know, and yeah, in yeah. your hand or something. And then it will measure my bloodstream. It will see which sort of vitamins do I need? Do I need to exercise more? Do I need everything? And then it can just say, okay, I want Colonial to optimize what I'm eating. Just send me the best things for me within yeah. this price range or something. Exactly. That and could happen. Yeah, I mean, if we speculate on that, who knows, you could maybe, you know, um, set some, make some decisions that you really want, you know, your preferences, yeah. you know, what kind of foods you like. It will obviously learn that with the time, because sure. that's what AI does. 
but you could you could set some you know um, make some decisions that you want to reduce your meat consumption for example like yeah. cut it in half yeah it's really hard to do those small decisions in yeah. everyday life but if you decide it once and let this service take care of it yeah it could do it or you could decide that you want to uh, you know drop some weight yeah and then the service could take care of, you know, sending a bit smaller portions towards you or... Or you're going so, on a hike or something and you need to have... Exactly. More muscles or whatever. Exactly. So, yeah, very so there's so many things we could... So many decisions we could make easier. Yeah. Okay. So let's go out <laughs> of the geek bubble. I, I feel like as an analyst, I, I still go into that. Uh, um, how are the food trends in Scandinavia, you see? Like when you're out and browsing for companies, what are the trends? Of course, it's plant-based milk has been very much going up yeah. recently. Uh, are there a lot of players going into the alternative meats in Scandinavia? Of course. Of yeah. course. I mean, there is... It seems like many companies are developing all kinds of uh, plant-based protein products that could replace animal animals on the plate, and that's really good. There's there's better and better alternatives all the time. Um, yes, there's also uh, interesting technologies being developed to to healthy eating. Okay. Health and welfare has have always been you know a big thing in the Nordics, so I think we have good capabilities to develop technologies around it. But is that more, more like agriculture? So uh, no, on the fields? That would be, no, that would be related to how we eat yeah. and how we how we handle that. Agriculture in the Nordics is obviously a very strange thing because we are very far up in the north. Uh, Finland is the northernmost uh, nation growing its own food. Um, so in that sense, it's a very strange environment. But if you take, for example, the greenhouses, um, in the north we are developing very good technologies for that because we have to, because the environment is really harsh. And if we can do it there in the north, then we can do it anywhere on the planet. And is there a lot of things happening in that space? Yes, there is. There oh, is. So, so exciting. Can you, yeah. can you tell us anything about any, like, that people will actually understand what they So if, if you think of the... Um, if you think of the uh, many of the herbs now in the supermarket when you buy yeah. them, you know, green and fresh. Yeah, like cilantro and basil. Exactly. And, yes. So um, there is few few big greenhouses already in Finland where they they grow those things uh, under LED lights. So completely dark uh, greenhouses. There are no no windows. Okay. Um, completely controlled environment where they, the growth conditions are very well optimized for those herbs. Um, the light is provided through LED lights, um, so it's a bit of you know pink or purple light where they where the plants grow. So I'm just translating here. It's actually just LED lights. Yeah, it's like it, normal LED that you have. Well, not pros. Well, it's a bit different. The, the ones you would have at home, they they you know provide all the spectrum of light, so that it seems uh, white to us. Mm. But in greenhouses, uh, you don't need all of that. Uh, plants need this very particular uh, spectrum of it. So it looks, to human eye, it looks purple, okay. but plants love it. Um, so, and, and these are fully uh, controlled and closed systems. So you save a lot of water, you save a lot of nutrients there, and you can provide, uh, produce the same quality of herbs all year round. But why do we need to save water? Don't we have enough up here in the North? We do, we do. Up, up here in the North, we do absolutely have a lot of water, but globally, water is a big issue. 70% of all the fresh water on the planet goes to food production. 
so that's crazy. a lot Julia, yeah and, and and beef is one of the largest beef is beef is one of those biggest yeah but back to those herbs yeah. just a note so those very futuristic technologies they are already there in the yeah. supermarket so it's so you can't tell you can't tell if the herbs no no it's no. the quality is the same actually some of those guys say that they they can make better tasting herbs in these systems because you can you can provide the plant with really good conditions to grow so in that sense many are afraid that you know technology is going to ruin the taste of food but no i mean technology is not the enemy of taste quite in contrast we can make things taste even better when we use better technology for but it. But is it allowed? It's not like anything that you will see marked on the package no. that, no, because it's just a natural way of doing it unnaturally or something. Well, yeah, I mean, natural is a tricky word when yes. it comes to uh, anything new. Yes. What is natural? That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And we sometimes we tend to think, like I said, everything that we have already now is natural and everything we will have tomorrow is unnatural. Yeah. And it's... Um, is it natural to take a calf of their mother and then take the, the milk and drink it as humans? Well, Some people it, will say that that's not are cows, natural. Are cows natural at all? Because the, uh, the breeds that we ha we are raising now are not really, you know, they they are very far from their yeah. natural ancestors. And again, so like speaking about broccoli, I yeah. think, what is it? Can, can broccoli be natural? And I think it's like 600 year old plant or something yeah. that is actually just developed yeah. because it's a very good plant but it didn't exist it's not yeah. a natural thing that's been there forever yeah so it's a very but good it's, point. it's good discussions it, it's uh, yeah. and and we have to redefine that all the time definitely okay so uh do you cook yourself i do you i do. love cooking cooking, love cooking is amazing fantastic so um and uh, how do you say what do you eat like what is your diet oh. uh well we have been two days here you know in, in middle of all these new food things and i've been trying to taste all the weird stuff that the, these people are working on. So I, I like to t try new things and taste new things. Um, but I also read when I cook myself, I really like to make it from, you know, really basic things. I like to eat, you know, vegetables and potatoes and, and just get a fish and put it in a pan because it kind of, for me, is, is kind of going back to the roots going back to you know the fundamentals of food and I really like that that process of cooking things making you know potatoes taste good is 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 almost, is that a almost very, like magic is that a very finished thing like fish and potatoes yeah sure it is yeah. it is yeah. um I, I do many people ask if I if I eat meat I do um but very little mm -hmm. I I uh I avoid it when I can and when I eat I want it to be really good meat okay. and that's I think in general, I mean, um, right now in the Western world, it's really important that we reduce the meat consumption, you know, eat less of it. It's not super critical to give it up completely so you can still have your Sunday steak, but just don't make it everyday steak. Right. What, what, what would be a vegan dish that you cook if you do? Well, you know, I don't, I don't actually think of... Uh, I might be making a lot of accidentally vegan dishes, but mm. I'm... I'm not a strict vegan, so I don't think of meals from that perspective. A tomato soup could be vegan. Yeah, if you, if you make tomato soup, it yeah. might be, you know, what accidentally. somebody might call accidentally vegan yeah. or, or, or pea soup or, or that sort of things. Yeah. 
um, easily, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what would be your favorite dish to cook on a very like warm day? Do you have warm days in Finland? <laughs> Just kidding. Very few. Yeah, very few. But if you go abroad and you have a kitchen, what would be like, a, oh, you know, this is a good summer dish? I really love to make good salads in the summer. Okay. And, and, you know, I have my kind of background in working with plants and 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 I use a lot of herbs, mm-hmm. which is mixing all kinds of really tasty herbs in a salad. So where do you get your it's protein? Really good. Oh, come on, <laughs> nuts, <laughs> nuts, nuts are yeah. an essential part of salads. Uh, um, yeah, in general, it's a bit of a bit of a myth. We we in the in the um, Nordic countries in Europe, we tend to get more protein than we actually need in our diets. Definitely. So yeah. that's not really an issue. I totally agree. Yeah. I just get that question a lot. Uh, and if I say Norwegian food, what's the first thing to come to your mind? Oh, uh, that strange habit of yours to have your pea soup kind of uh, on your plate with other food. So it's kind of mashed peas that you put on side of uh, side of food. Mashed peas. That's what you think about. Yeah, Norwegian isn't, isn't food. that? That's yeah, so funny. And then you put some lingonberry jam next to it, and it's like. Tasty. It's, it's lingonberry. Like, that's uh, the same as tittebär. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's the same kind of foods that we would eat in Finland, but we just put it in different shape and form. Oh, very interesting. <laughs> I love that. Um, if you got a million pounds now, like privately, to invest in something, not your VC, nothing, uh, what would you invest in that you think that will be very relevant in the future? in food, in uh, sustainability, or climate, or something? That's such a good question. I didn't prep him, as you can hear. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's great. Well, I mean, top of mind, now being here for two days, I think that cheese is, is something we need to need to tackle. Yeah. I mean, cheese that you could eat with clear conscience would be absolutely amazing. Clean cheese. It would be, it would be sustainable cheese without animal, uh, you know, Husbandry, that would be great. Fantastic. I, uh, I would yeah. give a million to that. I would probably well. invest in that yeah. right now. Uh, okay, so some quick, quick questions. Would you do, if you're going to have a burger, yeah. would you do a regular beef burger, lab-grown burger, or a bean burger? Huh. Good question. Uh, I would go for bean burger if you process, I don't really like, you know, those bean patties, but if you process the beans in a way that it's really close to... Uh, tasting like meat beans. so like beyond or yeah like exactly yeah. I, mean, I, w- I would pick that not lab grown I, I would actually try the lab grown because I know that not many people have tasted them yet yeah I would love to taste I would like to try yeah. but I know that they're still quite far from being you know reality right uh, taco or pizzas a uh, pizza Indian or sushi oh that's tough do I need to pick Indian <laughs> As a starter, and then go for sushi? Uh, well, maybe yeah. the other way around. Okay, okay, <laughs> very good. Uh, breakfast or dinner? Oh, dinner. Best snack? Oh. You're not allowed to say nuts. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I like nuts, roasted nuts. Yeah, I, I love roasted nuts yeah, as well. But, but I, something more unhealthy. Unhealthy. I, 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 can, 
I, I snack on chocolate. Yeah. It's, it's horrible, but Is I do that. Is that finished chocolate or? Any chocolate. Any chocolate. <laughs> Seriously. And then milk chocolate, right? Like yeah, real, with, real preferably deal. with nuts. Okay. That's that's kind of my guilty. Is that an like is that an pleasure. old kind of chocolate in Finland? Like the. Uh, oh, we have the fatter chocolate. That's really a go-to. Okay, very good. So, uh, what's uh, the last question here? Is uh, what's the most unhealthy thing in your regular diet? Is that a chocolate? Maybe. Oh, do I really have to say that loud? Yeah, no. Oh man. Um. So how? Uh, oh, I. Uh, you know there were. I'm just going to say it out loud. I'm just going to some Fridays, you know, or, or Thursday when you're really tired and you don't know what to cook and you're just yeah. tired of thinking of food. Frozen pizza is my go-to ah, thing. You sound very Norwegian saying that. What kind of pizza do you buy then? Uh, I, I try to... Uh, oh, not the vegan ones because I really love the cheese on the yeah. pizza. Um Uh, but it could be, um, yeah, it depends. I don't know. Yeah. I try to go crazy, but you know, there is not that much options to go crazy with. Do you have Gidambiosa in Finland? I know they yeah, have it in do. Sweden. Yeah, That's yeah, we do. That's the biggest seller in Norway. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you like that? Yeah, oh I do. Yeah. I have to admit, okay. it's so easy and so convenient. So we have a future, uh, futurist here. We have a food technologist. We have like everything, and he eats Gidambiosa. Uh, isn't that funny? <laughs> don't okay. tell anyone. No, we'll we'll not tell anyone. So thank you. So much, Laudi. It's been a pleasure uh, talking to you, and it's uh, very interesting to see what you're working on. And we will pay attention in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much. Så utroligt kul att du också synes att den episoden var värt att lyssna till helt till slut. Jag hoppas att du lärde mycket och att du fick några nya perspektiv på hur det mesta vi spiser idag är er ett resultat av ny teknologi en gång i fortiden. Och hvis du liker episoden och hvis du liker podden så vill jag väldigt gärna be dig om att sprida ordet och gärna ge en rating i din spiller. Det gör att fler upptäcker den och då kan jag ha möjligheten att göra detta mer framöver också. Följ mig gärna i sociala medier på Hannelenes vegetar och check också ut gruppen vegetarentusiaster på Facebook om du vill ha inspiration till vad du kan spise om du ska spise lite grönare i 2020. Eller som alltid check hannelene.no. Så hoppas jag du får en nydlig dag och att vi snackas snart.